Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's paint a picture for you, fellow conspiracy realists. It's September 2015. Your pals... Matt and Ben are finally addressing a question that I think personally bothered both of them at this time. Osama bin Laden, by this point, was dead. But when did he die? Well, he he died 10 years after the 9-11 attacks of 2001. And uh, where, where was his body? What happened to his body? Oh, it was buried at sea. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we need more information here. Um, hmm. I feel like it's not a, a hot take to say that many people, even in 2021 today, don't agree with the official narrative. So in this classic episode, we are looking at the official story and then we're looking at some of the allegations that there may, may be more to the tale. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben, and as always, we are joined by our super producer, Noel the Politico Brown. Uh, Noel, I hope, is, is doing well. I think he's doing just fine. He's got a nod. He's got a nod. So that's a, <laughs> that's a positive nod or a bit of a shrug. As you know, our nicknames for our super producer are often hints or allusions to the nature of the episode. I guess for anyone who doesn't read the title, who says, I just want to plunge in. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing this episode. I, I'm just playing this episode, jumping into the the great beyond of the podcasting world. Uh, This is an episode that is heavily political. Uh, We're not really taking any sides other than to say that I think we can all agree it is not good to kill people. That's a fairly basic basic assumption. I'm going to agree with you. That regardless of someone's self-described political leaning or identification they can agree with. So, Matt, with that disclaimer, what are we talking about today? We are talking about kind of the the guy that was held up as the boogeyman when I was going through high school and college up until around 2011. 
Right. Yeah. And I appreciate your use of the phrase boogeyman. Uh, we are talking about Osama bin Laden and Osama uh, con- related conspiracies, or should mm-hmm. I say Laden related conspiracies. So this figure is shrouded in mystery and uh, opprobrium and controversy even today uh, as our as our audience knows uh, both inside and outside of the states uh, this is the anniversary or the the week anniversary mm-hmm. of uh, the September 11th attacks and just for a refresher what are those uh, that is when the World Trade Center in New York City, as well as the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., were attacked and another plane went down in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, spot on. So originally and often we have heard that Osama bin Laden was involved with these attacks to one degree or another or associated with them. Very quickly after it occurred. There were people on the news mentioning this man's name mm-hmm. very quickly. And, and it was thought to be terrorism. If you watch, go back and watch the tapes and, you know, there are specials on every year now that go back through all of the footage that occurred. And there are mm-hmm. people speculating about terrorism almost immediately after it occurred. Not, not even on the news, just people on the street. Right. And there are also, of course, as you've noticed with any, large catastrophic event in U.S. history from the attack on Pearl Harbor to the assassination of JFK or MLK to this event. Uh, there are uh, numerous people and groups who disagree with the official version of events from the day the uh, from the day the planes hit uh, to 2011 when uh, bin Laden passes away. And there are also a lot of people who are probably angry that we're even talking about this right now um, because we're going to be discussing some of the more fringe ideas. But the, the thing that Ben and I want you to know is that we are looking at facts that we that can be proven and then also telling you what people believe. And then like this show does every week, we just want you to think about it and come up with you know, your own belief structure around this. And, and and I'm sorry, I'm going to go ahead and do this because, of course, we are doing this uh, live. Well, live for us, <laughs> a record when you hear it. But I want to do this one more time, uh, picking up at the end uh, where I said, leading up to Osama bin Laden, uh, leading up to 2011, when Osama bin Laden died. Or did he, did he, did he, mm-hmm. did he? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That, that's a hint to some of the stuff coming up. So first, we have to start at the beginning. Who is Osama bin Laden? Because for such a well-known name, a lot of people don't know very much about him other than, as you said, Matt, he was a boogeyman for people growing up. Yes. So the man we know as Osama bin Laden, who is known in the West, at least in that way, is actually Osama bin Mohammed bin Awad bin Laden. He was born on March 10th, 1957 in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. His mother was Syrian. Uh, his father, Mohammed Awad bin Laden, was from South Yemen. Uh, Osama bin Laden was the seventh son of 50 brothers and sisters, all told, big family. Huge. The father is a success story, uh, started impoverished, worked his way up to become the owner of the largest construction company in Saudi Arabia. And during this time, uh, his father became very close to the royal family due to his involvement in palace construction and other, you know, royalty-related buildings. Yeah, I can see how that would make them buddy-buddy in that regard. Um And Osama bin Laden grew up in a strictly religious environment. He went to school in Jeddah, and according to some official sources, he only traveled to a couple countries around the Arabian Peninsula, Syria, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Sudan. And that's according to these sources for his entire life. That's where he existed. So the reason that we mention that is that you will often hear stories that he secretly went to Switzerland for one reason or another, or that he secretly traveled to 
another country, maybe in the West, maybe he went to, you know, you'll, you'll hear wild stuff, or at least maybe a more fair way to say it, is unsubstantiated stuff. He adopted the beliefs and precepts of the Muslim Brotherhood during his time in school, and you probably heard of the Muslim Brotherhood in different news reports about events in the Middle East, yet at this time he was not involved in violent or terrorist-like activities. So, to see what changed, uh, we will consult an excellent timeline provided to us by uh, the good folks at Frontline as well as some others, which means, of course, this is a timeline of official events or at least proven events. Cast your memory back, uh, December 26th, 1979, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, uh, a boiling point in the proxy war there between Russia and the West. Bin Laden leaves his home in Saudi Arabia to join the Afghan resistance, the Mujahideen. Yeah, and he's about, I think, 22 at this time. So, you know, 22-year-old, you can imagine, uh, I guess those are college-age years for us in the West, at least. Um, he's going out and joining a resistance movement. Now we get to 1988. This is when Bin Laden officially established Al-Qaeda. This is, you've, you've heard of them many, many times. They're an organization of ex-Mujahideen and other supporters. So the people who were fighting in Afghanistan. Right. And during that interim 79 to 88, he did become a, uh, a successful fighter working his way up from a resistance fighter to a guerrilla commander. So when he establishes Al Qaeda, uh, he was also successful at raising funding. Mm-hmm. Which we'll, we'll talk about as well. Uh, this, let's, let's go through just a few of the events that he was tied to. Um, okay. So real quick in 89, the Soviets pull out of Afghanistan. Bin Laden comes back to Saudi Arabia. People love him. He's a hero, but he gets involved in movements against the monarchy, which, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't go over well in a theocracy like Saudi Arabia. In 1991, he's kicked out. Uh, moves back to Afghanistan, then to Sudan by 92, uh, because at the time Sudan had, uh, allowed any Muslim into the country without a visa. And then if we fast forward a little bit later, uh, a bomb explodes in a hotel in Aden, Yemen, right? Yeah, this is a place where, uh, United States troops had been staying. They, they were on route to a humanitarian, uh, humanitarian mission in Somalia. The bomb killed two Austrian tourists and the U.S. soldiers apparently had already left once once this attack occurred. And there were two Yemeni Muslim militants who were apparently trained in Afghanistan uh, who were injured in the blast as well. They uh, they're later arrested and U.S. intelligence agencies allege that this was the first terror attack involving bin Laden and his associates. Right. And as we go through this, we're going to hear more uh, more statements like attacks involving bin Laden or he is associated or linked to it. So in 1993, February 26th, the World Trade Center bombing occurs. Uh, later October of the same year, 18 U.S. troops are killed in Mogadishu and uh, people are people begin suspecting that bin Laden and his followers trained and armed the men who killed the troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also believe intelligence analysts over the years become more and more certain that bin Laden isn't just leading terrorist groups. He's financing different training camps. Yeah. Uh, training camps in, I think, Sudan, Northern Sudan. Now in April, 1994, Saudi Arabia takes note of all this stuff and says, you're getting out of here. They revoke bin Laden's citizenship and they, they make moves to even freeze all of his assets, at least the ones in Saudi Arabia, because of his support for some of these uh, Muslim fundamentalist groups. Yep. And uh, so he is establishing through 94, 95, he's establishing more training camps around the Saudi Arabian border. In August of 1995, he writes a letter. He writes a letter to the king of Saudi Arabia, and he calls for a campaign of guerrilla attacks in order to drive U.S. forces out of the kingdom. 
And for the next few years, we're going to skip over some of the developments. Uh, just a quick laundry list for Saudi men accused of bombing the Saudi National Guard Training Center in the capital are beheaded before their execution. They claim to have read letters from bin Laden. In 1996, President Clinton signs a top-secret order that authorizes the CIA to use any and all means to destroy the bin Laden network, uh, as this is seen increasingly as a threat to uh, U.S. forces or U.S. personnel or citizens abroad. Yeah, they even set up a grand jury, a secret grand jury investigation into bin Laden in August of 96. Then uh, later in August of that year, 1996, bin Laden signed an issued declaration of jihad where he he basically set out the organizational goals of these groups that he had set up. Um, they were to drive U.S. forces from the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, overthrow the government of Saudi Arabia, li- uh, liberate Muslim holy sites, and support Islamic revolutionary groups around the world. He also, uh, in this, declares that Saudis have the right to strike at U.S. troops inside the Persian Gulf. All right. And uh, 1997, uh, U.S.-backed multinational mercenary force allegedly is formed with the uh, aim of abducting and killing bin Laden. Obviously, it does not work. Uh, so bin Laden does something in 1998. Uh issuing a joint declaration with several other groups where they try to form a world Islamic front. Uh, then let's go to 1998. There's a grand jury investigation of bin Laden uh, charging him with the conspiracy to attack defense utilities of the U.S. And this is where prosecutors charge that bin Laden heads a terrorist organization called al-Qaeda, uh, and, you know, we can go through some of these dates quick. He does interviews with mm-hmm. ABC Nightline. Uh, he later does interviews with Time uh, and a second interview with ABC. And during this time, he is uh, eventually becoming a not, maybe not public enemy number one, but one of the, let's say, top 15 for the U.S. When the U.S. Attorney's Office files its most complete indictment of Osama bin Laden in 1999 at the time, the grand jury charges the him and 11 other people for conspiring to kill American nationals. So this is a real thing, a global conspiracy, if you will, to uh, to fight against or to uh, assassinate uh, American nationals or Western nationals. Uh, multiple times, Bin Laden states during his uh, public appearances, if you could call them that, uh, that the U.S. should not be in the Holy Land. Yeah, and I noticed something in looking at all of this, Ben, that – one of Osama bin Laden's main targets was the government and the the leadership within Saudi Arabia. And it made me think about our petrodollar episode and the the deal set up within Saudi Arabia, Arabia with the United States to trade in U.S. dollars. And I don't know, I was interested to know maybe Osama bin Laden is learning about this larger financial setup, global financial setup as he's, you know, in the Mujahideen and getting older. I'm, I'm interested to know how much that influenced. Well, you know, also many conservative uh, Muslims object to the Saudi Arabian, uh, the Wahhabi idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and see it as a means of propping up, again, political uh, support for the ruling House of Saud. Okay, and I want to take a second here before we continue – because we're, we're talking a lot about uh, terrorist groups that are uh, Islamic, right? But mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is that there are numerous terrorist groups, and, and they're not all Islamic, something that mainstream news in the West will try to slip past people. But it is true. There are Christian terrorist groups. There are Jewish terrorist groups. There are Hindi terrorist groups. There are so many groups like that and with as with any other religion the vast majority any religious practitioner uh demographic is not composed of violent uh crazed people right it's composed of people who 
have a belief system that to some degree regulates or defines their life or the way they interact with the world. And that, and that's it. And the Islamophobia that creeps into the West is entirely disingenuous. You're absolutely right. The extremism is very different and should be separated from religion, right? There are two very different things. The extremist ideas of any group uh, are not necessarily religious at their core. So with that being said, let's go to the official story of the death. According to the official narrative, Osama bin Laden is killed in a compound on May 2nd, 2011 in Abbottabad, Pakistan. SEAL Team 6 invades the compound. They're doing a, a project called Operation Neptune Spear, which was meant to allegedly apprehend Osama bin Laden. They use stealth helicopters, uh, one of which wrecks and is later taken uh, probably to China for some reverse engineering. Mm -hmm. Accounts differ on what happened. Uh, you'll often hear that bin Laden resisted or his followers resisted. There was a firefight and he was killed. But either way, according to the official story, he was killed in the compound. Mm -hmm. And after that, they transported his body to Afghanistan for identification. And it turned out that it was him. And there was also uh, earlier DNA evidence used to confirm this before they went in. And they took him to the USS Carl Vinson, which, uh, which is the site where they controversially and allegedly gave him a burial at sea adhering to uh, Islamic beliefs. Now, also, let me, sorry, let me interrupt uh, myself to make that correction. I believe Neptune Spear was a kill or apprehend missions. So that means if there was no resistance, they would take him alive. Got you. Now, Ben, here's where it gets crazy. A lot of people, a lot of people don't believe at least part of that story. Many people don't believe any of that story. Not even the part where Osama bin Laden died in 2011. The, they, some people even think that the entire role of Osama bin Laden is some kind of story that's meant to be told and told and retold, but is actually not true. Now, this is going to be a huge debate depend on you, depending on who you talk to. Either way it goes. Uh, but here are some of the, the big ideas, the big conspiracies that surround the life of Osama bin Laden. The first one is that Osama bin Laden was actually a CIA operative that, uh, that he was, you know, when he was working, when he was fighting with the Mujahideen, he was actually trained by the CIA to, uh, start and lead groups, right? So, uh, they believe that Osama bin Laden and his groups received funding from Saudi Arabia and, uh, the United States and that Al Qaeda is actually a part of this and is a creation of the CIA. Right. The primary crux of that debate being whether this was a willful creation or an inadvertent creation where it says, you know, let's fight communism by arming the locals and telling them that they are uh, they have the religious motivation or they're somehow spiritually mandated to fight this war against these invaders. What could possibly go wrong? And let's train this guy to be a leader, like an excellent leader of these guys to fight back in a resistance movement. Mm -hmm. And on CNN, you can see a clip from the Larry King show where Bandar bin Sultan, one of the diplomats for Saudi Arabia, says uh, in the mid 80s, if you remember, we and the United Saudi Arabia and the United States were supporting the Mujahideen to liberate Afghanistan from the Soviets. Osama bin Laden came to thank me for my efforts to bring the Americans, our friends, to help us against the atheist, he said, the communist. Isn't that ironic? 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Larry King says, how ironic. In other words, he came to thank you for helping bring America to help him. And what's strange about this, well... I guess I should say the opposite of strange, what's completely expected. Uh, the Central Intelligence Agency and the U.S. officials refute this, arguing that they only supported native Afghanistan mujahideen. So not the, not in any way um, bringing foreign fighters in or encouraging them. And you can read similar statements from other people involved, including uh, the former head of the ISI, Pakistan's intelligence agency. Uh, there's this other idea that Osama bin Laden worked for the U.S. right up to September 11th. A person named Sybil Edmonds, who you've heard of before, I'm sure, said that uh, the U.S. outsourced terror operations to al-Qaeda and the Taliban for years and years and years. Uh, and, that, that's outrageous, man. Right. Uh, and according to some French sources, CIA agents met with bin Laden two months before uh, 9-11. He was already wanted for the bombing of the USS Cole at that time. And then, allegedly two days before 9-11, two days, uh, he called his stepmom and said, in two days you're going to hear big news and you're not going to hear from me for a while. So in other words, Ben, it seems as though uh, American forces, the U.S. Department of Defense and the CIA, had several many opportunities to capture Osama bin Laden, and yet they failed to do so, or at least they did not do so. They chose not to, perhaps. Even right. uh, even after 9-11, the U.S. military intentionally allowed bin Laden to evade capture. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty crazy, right? Right. And for people who believe that the great game continues, uh, this sort of intentional encouragement of instability seems completely plausible. However, of course, you have to point out, uh, if we're being fair, that uh, instability might be useful to a certain point. Uh, but 
complete anarchy and chaos is not. So that that's the big crux of that idea. Uh, how involved, if at all, was Osama bin Laden with the CIA? Uh, if so, what degree of importance did they hold to each other? And to what degree was the U.S. somehow participating in this proxy war? Was it just training to local Afghanistan Mujahideen, as the CIA and other officials maintain, or was it more active? And that's just one. There's there's another the, there's another uh, death related belief, and that's that when people claimed that Bin Laden was assassinated in 2011, it was entirely made up. It never happened, and that Osama Bin Laden actually died years before in 2001. Yes, Ben, some people believe that Osama bin Laden actually died 10 years prior to his official death in uh, 2011. They think he died in 2001. Uh, they think it was either from illness, from a lung, something uh, going wrong with his lungs, or uh, I've heard things about kidney problems and having to be on dialysis. They also believe that he may have been killed in uh, an American bombing. Now, these aren't, these aren't, I hate to say it, but fringe sources that are talking about this. These, are, these aren't nuts. These are government officials. And if, if they are nuts, Ben, they are at least government officials. Right. I think that's pretty fair of you to say. We're talking about people like General Tommy Franks, former American military commander for Afghanistan, or uh, former president of Pakistan, General Pervez Musharraf, who, as we mentioned on the video, you might remember from a strange and awkward interview on The Daily Show back when Jon Stewart mm -hmm. was heading it. Personal hero of yours, Matt. Uh, the You don't like him? No, I am a big fan. Okay. <laughs> um, but the officials, uh, the officials that we're talking about, these generals, they seem to base this speculation, this conclusion on just the amount of bombing in the Tora Bora Mountains. So they hadn't actually seen a body or anything, at least according to the New York Times. And that is right, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Times reported on this too back in December 26, 2001. Uh, another source, the Pakistan Observer, went on. They they quoted a Taliban leader who said that Osama bin Laden died of quote a serious lung complication back in December. Yeah, and they also that Pakistan Observer article adds uh, more information, an alleged funeral, and of course, uh, it seems like it's my role in this episode uh, to not my favorite role, but it's got to be done. Uh, it, it's my role in this episode to point out the other sides of the story. This is very close to wartime propaganda. So some people have doubted this, thinking that ISI, Pakistan's intelligence agency, supplied purposely misleading information with the idea of throwing the U.S. Uh, war. When I say war machine, I, I don't mean anything other than an enormous and efficient thing. Some people believe that ISI, Pakistan's intelligence agency, purposefully misled uh, misled the public with the idea being that if the U.S. forces could be convinced that Osama bin Laden was dead, they might be thrown off bin Laden's trail. And so people who believe this idea, I mean, because this is a lot to think about. If someone dies in 2001, then how could you even assuming you could pull it off by by doing some massive conspiracy and cover-up for a decade, why would you do that? Why would you go to all that trouble? That is a tough question to answer, Ben, but it might go back to the idea that we said at the top of a boogeyman. I can see it being beneficial on either side. So hmm. from from Pakistan's side – Wanting, you know, wanting to have this, this, at least he's a kind of a leader, an asset for intelligence and for strategy, having this person at least believed to be dead and then using him on the uh -huh. inside. I could see that being advantageous. Uh, inversely, I can see it being advantageous to want to make people believe that he is still alive because it creates this specter of the evil that you're fighting in all mm -hmm. of these places. 
right? It, it at least it's good for morale for your troops. It's good for uh, even the people inside your country or other mm-hmm. people that you're trying to inspire to fight mm-hmm. these wars for you. Uh, I can imagine it being highly advantageous either way. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, people who believe this theory that bin Laden died in 2001 typically ascribe the motivation to things like that. You know, that it might be for political maneuvering like the hostage crisis in Iran, that it might be due to uh, an economically driven desire for war to continue because some people do make a lot of money off of it. Although that's a that seems a little bit far fetched for me. Not that there would be people who would want war to continue so much as that there would need to be one person upon whom that decision hinges. I think it's very easy to create a situation wherein a war is quote unquote necessary. Um, oh, sure. I think it's just helpful to have an iconic image or name or something that can be repeated over and over again. Sure. Yeah. That begins to serve as sort of a metonymy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's also a, a, the idea of uncertainty. You wouldn't want to report that someone was dead if you didn't really think they were dead, because what a coup that is to come back from the dead yeah. in the public eye. So it could just be that people didn't know for sure. It could be, you know, that, uh, that there was an, an advantage politically speaking, uh, for the timeline. So that's, that's what people who believe he died in 2001 actually believe. And I think that Benazir Bhutto may have made some public statements about that too before her assassination. Yes, I would, if I were you and you've not seen this, I would look up Benazir Bhutto, Osama bin Laden. I think maybe died 2001 where she is conducting or she is being interviewed and she says she states at least according to the video that Osama bin Laden died in 2001. But is she just referring to this information that was coming out of Pakistan? You know, I mean, there are a lot of questions and you will read you can read multiple sources that will go either way. Um, And it's tough to figure out what's true there. Like, what is she actually referring to? And we'd love to hear what you think on this, listeners. So if uh, if you're hearing something, whether on this point or any of the earlier points or the later stuff we talk about, and you'd like to weigh in, uh, we'd love to hear your perspective. Of course, if you are a member of a military force, whether in the U.S., in Pakistan, somewhere else, uh, we'd like to hear your perspective. We believe it is invaluable. And if you are not in the military, of course, we still want to hear from you and hear what you have found in the course of your delve into this rabbit hole. And speaking of rabbit holes, we have come to probably the most widely reported in the mainstream media disagreement with the official narrative. And it starts with a guy named Seymour Hirsch, legendary journalist Seymour Hirsch. Yeah, you might remember this gentleman. Um, I'm sure you probably saw the actual article pop up on Reddit. That's how I first came across it. Um, he's a guy who wrote about the My Lai Massacre and the cover-up in Vietnam. He also uh, wrote about the Abu Ghraib prisoner abuse. Um, that was an article that blew up all over London Review of Books. He's well-known, a very well-known, and I would say in maybe prestigious writer. He's somebody who was held up. Seymour Hirsch, I believe, is somebody who was held up as being uh, an authority in a lot of places. Well, he's gone through a cycle of mm-hmm. being derided and then lauded after, you know, enough time passes. He says that the raid did happen that night on May 2nd, 2011. It just didn't go down the way people think. The U.S. official position is that the ISI and the top brass in the Pentagon had no idea, somehow had no idea Mm -hmm. that Osama bin Laden was living in that compound all along. They do, they just, they never thought, which is, um, very similar to, uh, very similar to Hitler surviving World War II and then Parliament finding out that he had a flat somewhere in London. So this is what Hirsch says happens, happened. He said a walk-in asset alerted the CIA. A walk-in asset is <laughs> a very difficult proposition for the CIA because a walk-in asset could easily be a double agent 
or someone who is sincere but was misled. And we're, we're literally saying a walk-in asset. This is, this is a person who walks into an official place and says, hey, I have information I want to share with you. Right. Walks into the embassy mm-hmm. and says, I want to talk with someone. And all of a sudden, you're learning a lot more about that consular attache or the uh, person who's the head of janitorial services turns out to have a couple of extra job duties mm-hmm. of which you were not aware. So – After this asset alerts the CIA and they manage to verify the information, Hirsch says that the Pakistani and American government struck a deal uh, and that they would stage this raid. So the Pakistan was going to give up, uh, give up bin Laden and they were going to make it seem as though it were unilateral action on the part of the U.S., uh, one thing I just really quickly want to go back to, I was interested in the reasons, if this were true, why in the heck would Pakistan, if they knew that he was there, keep him there? And what what I seem to find is that it was some kind of like, hey, we've got Osama bin Laden, you jihadist groups or the groups that want to you know, th- overthrow governments and create havoc. We've got this guy. We're protecting him. You don't have to, you know, it's okay. You don't have to hurt us. However, if they were keeping it secret, they wouldn't be telling anybody that, right? So it would only be Osama bin Laden's connections, I guess, to say, hey, don't attack Pakistan. I don't know. I I was just trying to wrap my head around the reasoning behind it. I mean, it's a, it's a heck of a poker chip. Yeah. I mean, to be crass about it. Yeah. Uh, it's also, it's also quite possible that at this point, bin Laden had little to no actual control over over the situation right so a lot of you'll you'll hear people disagree about the degree of influence or control he had was he just releasing tapes saying continue on carry on my wayward yeah. son or was he was he instead um you know actively plotting things and telling people show up on this day at this time meet this guy and plan the attack from there. And if so, to what degree? The problem is that a lot of this stuff uh, remains classified. We can tell you about some things that were allegedly declassified, uh, which we'll do in a little bit. Here's one of the, here's the next series of things that Hirsch says uh, that led other journalists to attack him and say that he was a quote unquote, conspiracy theorist, uh, meaning, you know, meaning it as an insult, mm-hmm. as a uh, don't pay attention to this guy. When Thought th- terminating cliche. Right. When you think of him, think of reptilian hybrids or whatever. So uh, he, her says bin Laden was never meant to survive the raid. He was supposed to be killed and that he also, bin Laden, that is, did not receive an Islamic burial at sea, uh, did not receive a burial at sea at all, mm-hmm. that this was a fabrication. A lot of the body was riddled with bullets, uh, and some pieces were thrown out of the helicopter as they flew to Afghanistan. And one consultant, uh, one anonymous source, told Hirsch that the CIA took the body once the remains landed in that country. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And all of this leads us to the, the next thing. This is something that I am very interested in. This is the, this is relating to the audio and visual evidence of Osama bin Laden speaking into a camera or being interviewed on camera or talking into a mic and giving orders and or, um, I guess just rallying the troops. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of media that was created over the years by Osama bin Laden or allegedly by Osama bin Laden. Because a lot of people believe that some of the videos that you may remember, some of the iconic ones, were actually not Osama bin Laden. One of the true, the things that we can definitely point to as, hey, this is, this is absolutely fact, is that their uh, German experts uh, looked at a, a bin Laden confession video from, I think it was, was it 2001 or 2002? I think it was 2001, um, where they were saying that the... The video was itself incorrectly translated. Um, they're not disputing that it was actually Osama bin Laden, but they were saying that it was perhaps purposefully uh, not translated correctly. Mm-hmm. So in that case, they're saying that it was him. Uh, it was uh, the video is one where he's in a circle of followers. People had called it a uh, quote unquote damning admission of guilt. But according to uh According to the German experts there, the tapes tampered with contains uh, translation errors. And this is this is the one that is supposedly him saying, yes, 9-11, we did 9-11, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, um, the, the errors that they're mentioning, you can read about in more detail if you just search for German experts. Uh, I think it came under Spiegel, uh, German experts. Say Bin Laden was confession incorrectly translated, and you'll find it, and you can find the discussion about it. Um, I would say, if you want to play a dangerous game and you do not uh, do not yourself speak German, you can always put your faith in Google Translate and have <laughs> the best. Uh, so there's another guy uh, named Neil from Hactor Factor who believes that a different uh, a different tape of Osama Bin Laden was manufactured from uh, various earlier audiovisual appearances. Mm-hmm. And the person who says that this was such a compilation is a fellow named Neil Krawitz, a digital image forensics expert. He looked at the tape uh, from September 7th, 2007, and said it was full of visual and audio splices, not just that, but low quality, and it was a likely fake. And then there's also a, I think it's a 2002 audio tape that was attributed allegedly to Bin Laden. Um, there's some, there's a group of Swiss scientists there uh, that were saying this is fake. It's not yeah. actually Osama Bin Laden. And there's a Guardian article that you can read. Um, you might be able to search 2002 Al Qaeda uh, Bin Laden tape, perhaps, sure. if you would be able to find it. 
Yeah, and we can tell you a little bit about it. So there is a thing called the Institute of Linguistics and Phonetics in Paris. And uh, they found that based on the phonetic testing, the Al Jazeera tape was genuine. This this tape was delivered to Al Jazeera uh, in 2002, as Matt said. American experts also thought it was bin Laden, but the quality of the tape is pretty poor, so people aren't completely sure. Uh, but researchers at a place called uh, the Dow Mole Institute for Perceptual Artificial Intelligence believe the message was recorded by someone else. They built a computer model of Osama bin Laden's voice, and they based it on an hour of actual recordings. And then using voice recognition systems that they were that were being developed for banking security, these uh, Swiss scientists tested that uh, synthetic model or that creative model against 20 known recordings of the actual bin Laden. The system correctly identified his voice in 19 of them. And that means there is a 5% risk of error in their conclusion that the latest tape was a fake. Hmm. So it, it, you know, it's a little different too, because it's not a bunch of people listening to it and then yeah. mapping out something. It picks up things that the human voice or the human ear probably doesn't record. Now, here is the really weird thing, you guys, because there, there are all kinds of theories out there about videos that were uh, Osama bin Laden impersonators. Oh man, you'll hear people writing online or you'll see people writing online. Man, Osama bin Laden looks really different in 2007 than he did in 2001 or 2006 or even, you know, the latest, later, later videos, um, that his appearance seems to change drastically over all of these videos. Um, well, here's the thing. The CIA actually did, uh, or at least they had the idea to create a propaganda video of Osama bin Laden. Um, and according to Jeff Stein, they actually did create it, um, at least according to the people that he spoke to. Right, a propaganda video, correct? Yes. I'm just going to go to the article that Jeff Stein wrote for, it's a blog called Spy Talk that he wrote for um, Washington Post. He's speaking, it's called CIA Unit's Wacky Idea Depict Saddam as Gay. This was written in 2010 in May, uh, specifically May 25th. And he's talking about the Iraq Operations Group. And they were kicking around ideas to, like, ways to discredit Saddam Hussein, mm -hmm. to produce videos that would make Saddam look really bad. Uh, they would be grainy looking videos, perhaps taken from a cell phone or from just a really low quality camera that would not actually be Saddam doing compromising things, uh, like making, they were talking about making a sex tape, possibly with a teenage boy. Um, and then flooding Iraq with the videos. They also talked about making a fake television program with fake news bulletins, talking about how Saddam Hussein was going to step down and he mm -hmm. was going to have his son come into power. Um, so then about halfway down the article, he talks about how the agency, I guess he's referring to the CIA here, uh, they did make a video purporting to show Osama bin Laden and his cronies sitting around a campfire, swigging bottles of liquor and savoring their conquests with boys. One of the former CIA officers recalled chuckling at the memory. Uh, that's, uh, that's a little strange to me that they even had that idea. Although I can see... I can see why that would be maybe a strategic move. It doesn't require any guns, right, at that point. It doesn't require any assets going in. It just you'd make some videos and then send them around. I think a lot of people wouldn't believe that, though, primarily for the consumption of alcohol. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to do that, right? Uh, and there's no judgment in brainstorming. So I'm sure the this idea is just the tip of the propaganda iceberg that we are hearing about. There is one other conspiracy that we should mention about Osama bin Laden that a lot of people in the West might not have heard, but it's it's fairly it has been fairly popular in the past in some other countries. And that is the idea that Osama bin Laden, like Elvis, Tupac, Kurt Cobain, or Jim Morrison is somewhere, somehow, oh, Michael Jackson as well, alive and just hasn't been apprehended, will return to fight another day. Uh, this, this 
theory for, you know, for a lot of people seems like, well, how, how plausible is it? Why would he, uh, why would someone do all this stuff and then disappear, mm-hmm. right? To what end? And it doesn't seem like, uh, bin Laden would be the kind of person who would just disappear without continuing some sort of fight. But I feel like it's important for us to note that. And with that, uh, those are some of the more, what's the word we use in the video, Matt, persistent conspiracy theories regarding Osama bin Laden, uh, both at the career in terrorism as well as his death at the hands of SEAL Team 6 or in 2001 from bombing by U.S. forces, from Marfan syndrome, from lung complications, etc. And I would love to hear from someone who knows more or has some has some proof or has something entirely different. But wait, speaking of hearing, do you do you hear that? Or is it just am I having a stroke or is it pretty sure it's a stroke? But nope, there it is. Well, that can only mean one thing, ladies and gentlemen. Are you sure you're not having a stroke? Oh, <laughs> oh wait. It's you, know, Maybe. Is this my near-death experience? Is That's Noel talking to you right now? You got a little twitch going on in that eye there. So we're yeah. worried about you. It's been a rough week. Yeah. I'm worried about me, too. Ben, who are you talking to? What's that? I didn't say anything. Oh, God. <laughs> I smell toast. <laughs> I smell bitter almonds. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm not having a stroke, Matt. You're not. Noel, you good? I'm having some kind of event, but I don't know if it's a stroke. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. You want to soldier through yeah, this definitely. with us? So, so uh, you know, it, it's up to you. Do you want to you want to talk about this episode? Or you got something different on your mind? Uh, you know, I've always got things floating around, man. But if you if you want to want to keep this going, feel free. I kind of want to know just what's on your mind. Uh, my exploded car, largely. Um, what? That's yeah. you know a little personal for the podcast, probably. No, no, no. Well, it's we okay. should we should say it wasn't. When we say explosion, we it, it, it wasn't a car bomb. It was not a no, car bomb. No, no. It was just its time yeah. to die. Uh, is it official now? Oh, it's official. It's very it's official. official. Yeah, it's a dead car. Uh, Got a dead car. Well, it's cool. Let, let's look to the future. Let's do what. Do, what are you planning on doing for transportation? Um, well, in the short term, I have a very dear friend who has an extra car he let me use, so I don't have to make a snap decision and you know buy something random just yeah. to have have something. That's tough. So that's good. So nice. I'm feeling pretty good about that. But just you know, in general, it's just a little bit of a downer. Sure, man. I well, liked that car a lot, and I was only in it a couple times. Yeah, well, <laughs> that you know of. Yeah. Oh God. Sorry, that it, came it, out dark. <laughs> it had seen its time in the sun. Oh man, I feel like there there should be a good, a, good night, sweet prince. <laughs> a goodbye to yeah. a car song we could play. I don't know, motoring. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, well, we do have another up, like uplifting event we could talk about. Cool. Matt, um, Matt got a lot of email and some tweets about about uh, the earlier announcement from last week. Yeah, there there are several really lovely emails that we've received so far. Um, it does feel weird that you're reading them too, Ben. I forget sometimes. Like, oh man, Ben's having to re- to uh, read this advice about my kid. <laughs> I'm sorry, mm-hmm. dude. Oh no, it totally um, makes sense. I, I don't feel like it's my place to respond. Oh no, you're you should not respond. Diana and I are actually going to go through and respond to them in our adventures for the next couple of weeks in, in, in your own time <laughs> because there are there yeah. are a couple that are fantastic like so much more information than i could have ever asked for well, and helpful pe- information catch people up on what what you asked for last last what, weeks in case they don't know well i was basically like hey there's a baby coming uh i'm scared help that's what that's what i said mm-hmm. and i we got some messages from people who you know uh have had experience with children mm-hmm. and some of the best stuff was just how to, how to cope with your relationship, like your, the, uh, my relationship with my wife while we are trying to take care of this mm-hmm. baby and we're both terrified and stressed out and lacking sleep. No, you have a kid as well. Did you give any advice to Matt? I mean, we have talks, you know, and <laughs> I don't tweet them at him or, or send them to him via email, but you know, we occasionally run into each other in the hall and have little yeah. moments where we talk about. 
child rearing stuff. How, how old's your daughter now? She's six. Six. Man. That's a good age. I feel like kids when they're when before they get to the double digits, there's this age where you and I have talked about this off air. There's this age where they just seem so much more intelligent than adults. I, I thought you were going to say that they actually are. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> no I, uh, you could say that about some adults, yeah, perhaps myself included. So I don't feel bad saying that. Yeah, my kid's creepy, smart. She's like the girl in the bad seed. You know, I'm afraid she's going to push me down the stairs when I'm not looking. I'm kidding. She's <laughs> she's really smart. Yeah, she is. She is. But yeah. again, I just, there's always something going on in there, and I'm always not, I'm not always 100 percent aware of what it is. Oh, so I have to bring something up really fast because we're talking about kids. Mm -hmm. So I I went to Kroger the other day. I think I already told you about this, Ben. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Went to Kroger the other day to get some food. Uh, We're stocking up on frozen things so that we can just make them really easily when we're both having downtime. And uh, when I was being checked out, it was a uh, 20-year-old woman who was actually checking me out and an 18-year-old woman who was doing the bagging. And they were having – when I walked up, they were having a long conversation about – Kids these days, ugh, they're always on their cell phones. They got no respect. Uh, I mean, it was it was a crazy conversation for very young people to be having. And specifically, they were discussing these kids. I mean, no, they said, oh, man, I didn't get my cell phone until I was in middle school. And I just went, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think what I had was a that phone like? until I was in high school or even beyond. Yeah. <laughs> I had a pager. I was going to say, are you yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. pager generation, yeah. guys? Oh, yeah. I just couldn't. I just, it was so funny to me to hear that happening already and i was trying to imagine what your daughter and my son are going to be like yeah it's weird with her because i mean she's really good at operating those devices i don't let her mess with them like all the time but she likes to play minecraft and i have minecraft on my phone so i let her mess with that but um and she'll occasionally i'll text her mom and i'll get a text back that's clearly her yeah so she gets it but you know she doesn't have her own phone or anything obviously but she knows how to work that stuff she knows how to send pictures she knows how to, she knows how to take selfies there was yeah. one time where she changed my facebook profile picture secretly <laughs> to Whoa. a picture of her mugging in the camera. so yeah like i said creep, creepy smart yeah, gotta nip this in the bud uh, that that's pretty that's pretty impressive yeah and i guess if we if we had to speculate there are a few things that we could think uh, children of the future would look back on as ridiculous or I can't believe they did that kind of antiquated things. And one of the biggest, in my opinion, might be having to use your hands to interface with electronics. Yeah. Interface anything with your manually. That seems like, why would you do that? Right. Remember that scene in Back to the Future 2 where Marty McFly is using the the shoot 'em up uh, arcade game, and the kids go, oh, "You have to use your hands." Yeah, <laughs> I never understood that joke when I was younger, and then like now it's just so obvious. Yeah, it's, we're it's, all gonna have implants. You know? It's on the way, guys. Yeah, you can get Google in your head for free uh, as long as you listen to the advertisements that play in your mind, like you're hearing voices. You just have to think that you agree to the contract. You don't actually have to sign anything. You just go, "Yep." Yeah, just, just a nod, <laughs> just, yeah. sort of, just a subvocalized nod. Uh, well, that sounds like an episode for another day. Uh, again, we would would love to hear from everybody with your opinions on the death of Osama bin Laden. Do you believe the official narrative? Do you think something else happened? And if so, what? You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can check out the earlier episodes we alluded to on our website as well as our YouTube channel. And and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com stuff they don't want you to know is a production of iheartradio for more podcasts from iheartradio visit the iheartradio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows attention true crime enthusiast searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night look no further introducing lazarus naturals your trusted companion for cbd relief 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.